0: Yes, there are no dumb questions unless we read your email and laugh. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's only dumb if we decided it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we we won't mock you. We we promise. Um, right. <laughs> no, I mean it. I, I was
1: being serious yeah, there. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I I was maybe hedging a little bit.
1: <laughs> I wasn't like I was like right. Yeah. yeah. Now honestly, I do think there are dumb questions, but I yes. mean, uh, we do appreciate your questions, and we will not mock you. I I. No that <laughs> I, I think yeah, well tom might yeah. <laughs> just pin it on me yeah.
0: welcome back to reason together the podcast for christians who think about stuff i'm thomas here as always with my great friend daniel fox howdy hey good to see you again yes and likewise <laughs> it's good to see anybody these days <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah i I just even heard today that even at the supermarket, they were supposedly, of course, it's hearsay, but kind of clamping down on the number of people. Like, you know, if you're there for your family, it's you alone with one cart. You know, really don't bring don't bring in a group. So, wow. Yeah, that was anyway. Hmm. So,
0: yeah. Are we uh, are we tired of talking about COVID-19 everywhere I go? Yeah. Yeah, kind of. Mm-hmm. I mean I'm thankful that I'm still able to work. Uh I'm considered an essential employee mm-hmm. um in in surgery. So I still get to work, but when you're there everything is talk about COVID-19.
1: <laughs>
0: and uh our protocols have changed just cuz everybody's ramping everything up, so uh it's it's been kind of more labor intensive and uh mm-hmm. I'm I'm kind of in a way, tired of talking about it. Every news article is is dealing with it, and right. it's like yeah, every day the information changes. So,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, and they just keep talking about it.
0: Yeah, they just keep talking about it. Yep. Um, not that we're unwilling to talk about it. If uh, if one of our listeners has a question, because there are a couple of things that we do need to go over from our patrons. Which, as a side note, thank you to our patrons over at Patreon dot com slash reason together uh, they help keep this show going we know it's a weird time and uh, the fact that you're willing to contribute to help out a podcast like this that uh, yes that says a lot and uh, we yes, really appreciate you. it uh, if you want to become one of our patrons you can go over to patreon.com slash reason together again that's patreon.com slash reason together i don't know that i've ever spelled that out for anybody
1: is it's it is a it intuitive? Have...
0: P-A-T-R-E-O-N.
1: E-O-N. Yeah,
0: it could yeah. be mistaken for I-O-N. It I could, think. I suppose. Mm-hmm. But uh, anyway, if if you were ever curious as to how it's spelled, there you have it. Curiosity <laughs> satisfied.
1: There you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't have to reason through anything there. We just, just gave them the answer, right? The... Correct. Uh ah. So I was I was really happy, though, about the last episode to be able to just throw out so many ideas, um, you know, of what to do while you're while you're kind of on lockdown. And we got a little feedback on that and we don't have to read it all, but some some thank yous. And uh, yeah. and one of them I read, you know, commenting on uh, realize, I guess, seeing the the amount of preaching now that's getting out out on the waves mm-hmm. and. Part of that may, may be, you know, we just didn't realize before, but on the other hand, I think a lot of churches are being pushed into it, and that may be a blessing in disguise in some ways. Yeah, it could uh, be. I, I wonder why it is that it seems many independent Baptists haven't
0: live-streamed up to this point. I mean, we haven't as a church, mm-hmm, and, and I know sure. you guys haven't. Um, and, and it seems to be not just anecdotal from my perspective. Uh, someone shared with me recently uh, this uh, comic of two independent Baptist preachers trying to figure out how to live stream. <laughs> and they had, they each had a cup held to their ear with a string tied between them. Oh no. <laughs> um, so it's, it's how apparently, do you work this thing? yeah, how do you work this thing? It's a running gag out there that I guess independent Baptists are kind of the last ones to the table when it comes to live streaming. And I wonder why that is.
1: <clears throat> That's an interesting question. I would say partly, um, that, you know, a lot of, and I say, I say a lot of, I mean, as if I really have any data on it, but I mean, it seems <laughs> like when we think of fundamentalism, it is an older, um, uh, set of, uh, it's, a, it's an older demographic, you know, you've got, you've got, you know, staunch men who have, you know, maybe in their sixties and seventies now who have, you know, been keeping, keeping things going. Although I know there's several younger pastors, obviously, mm-hmm. and, and in between there, but in a, in a sense, you feel like it's an older demographic, which naturally because of the uh, gargantuan shift in technology in the last 20 years, it's, it's hard to keep up. Yeah. And if you weren't, if you weren't born into it or like really enjoyed it and just kind of said, yeah, I'd really rather not, yeah. then, then it's like running away without you. And then try, then trying to overcome that curb of like, what? I mean, I mean, I, I'm like a low level techie. I enjoy tech, but I'm not tech. Like some guys are. Um, and honest to goodness. Now I was frustrated trying to figure out the 150 options on Facebook, you know, <laughs> on a certain page and figure, how, how do I find this message? Cause somebody had messaged me, but they weren't one of my friends. And And so it kind of got, it was on a different tab of a certain pain and and brother. And then, and then you change from desktop to, to, to iPad, you know, so, so for certain guys, you know, if there's a generation gap, the, the technology part of it, but you know, another thing that I think of is, um, maybe the perception, I know we've talked about this on certain issues, we like, is there anything really wrong with it? But the perception is, I wonder if the perception is somehow church marketing, with like like why do why do I have to get my service out to everybody else my people are here. Yeah. But let me ask you this question. Do you think there's a difference between church advertising and church marketing? Um
0: from a technical standpoint, like just based on the words, mm-hmm. no. <laughs> um from a practical <laughs> standpoint, I I think I see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a certain mindset that t- treats church like a business, uh, and it treats the assembly as an evangelistic tool. Uh, so let me see yes, how many people right. I can bring in here and give them the gospel here because it's too much work to train and disciple people to take the gospel out where they go. Right. Um, <laughs> Sorry, maybe I'm speaking for them a little bit. <laughs> not that I'm frustrated with that whole thing at all. But, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I, I, I'm not a big fan of the the whole church marketing mentality. Um, sadly, you know, those are the guys that tend to, to get lauded and praised for building big ministries and things like that. Uh, meanwhile, the guys who are trying to do their best, um, treating the church with respect. Uh, are oftentimes marginalized, but, uh, but yeah, there is a difference between those two things. Cause there's nothing wrong with handing someone, uh, something about your church and saying, this is the church that I attend or the church that I pastor. Um, you know, if you would like to come sometime, feel free to be my guest. Now I didn't give the gospel there. I simply invited someone to come. I'm sure. making someone aware of my church and the fact that they're welcome to come and visit. Um, that's different. Than pushing for hundreds upon hundreds of people to come who may or may not have interest in the actual gospel. So
1: yes, and I think the motivation is different than the medium. The medium of a camera. There's nothing wrong with that. It's if my if I'm simply saying to people, look, this is who we are. You know what I mean? And if they see the message and that draws them, they say, wow, now there's a church that preaches the gospel and there's some solid music, whatever. But if I have to pat, if I'm trying to pattern my ministry in such a way as to make it palatable to people so that I draw them in, well, that's wrong. Um, so that's the whole ministry mindset as far as saying, am I trying to be a people pleaser or a God pleaser, but the medium of a camera, you know, is neutral, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, as far as using a digital camera. So, um, so it maybe is a good time for for several churches to say, well, let's get our message out there. Now, on a personal level, I would say for our church, you know, you've got obviously you have priorities. And if mm-hmm. you're going to sink thousands of dollars, and which in our case, you know, maybe it is going to be what it takes um, into something, you're saying, well, look, is there something else that needs to be done? Does our Does our roof need to be? changed you know we just had a new roof put on or mm. does you know something need to be painted or does something need to be or, or do you have to buy purchase a you know a church van you know there's other things that you yeah. say are directly ministering to people where if I'm live streaming I'm I'm reaching out to people who aren't a part of us but right. if I'm spending the money in other ways I'm spending it on a congregation that's right here but in this right. time frame now all of a sudden we have to live stream to minister to our people you know, I, at least right. in that way, to yeah. say our, our church people can be fed if we live stream.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, and I'm not sure if we'll continue with it after this whole um, hiatus yeah. thing. Uh, I, I kind of like it. I like the idea of it, um, I you know, especially if you can make it look sharp. Um, right. There's a lot of useful tools with live streaming. Um, and even right now, we've seen uh, people who have watched our live stream who don't normally attend church their relatives of our church members or mm-hmm, friends or mm-hmm. co-workers or our church members they don't normally go to church uh but they have attended and it's like part of me then sees that well is there an opportunity there to give the gospel mm-hmm. to people who wouldn't otherwise hear it so i i can see why people do it my 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 only hang up is would it turn this into an opportunity for people to just never go to a church, <laughs> you know what I mean? Right, And, right. and take mm-hmm. it as an opportunity to do something they would never do in the physical world,
1: in real life. But I have to wonder if somebody is is okay with staying at home watching church if they would ever come to your church anyway. It's unlikely. In, 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 right. In, at least it, from my own limited short-term
0: experience, uh, it seems unlikely.
1: Yeah. I mean, if they're listening to the preaching... And they're growing and God's, you know, growing them by his work, the the work of the Holy Spirit in their hearts. They're going to come to a point where they should be coming to church. Yeah,
0: they're going to want to. They're they're going to want to.
1: And if they're they're not, you know, it's like, would they have really come if I hadn't provided the live streaming? Right, right. No, they wouldn't.
0: (laughs) I'll I'll tell you, there's probably, uh, you know, certain church hoppers out there or church house, house church movement people that are probably eaten this up they probably just love this sort of thing uh because now it's like having a, a smorgasbord of different options whereas before they had to physically go somewhere once a week different you know and it's like now they can <laughs> <laughs> the
1: church hoppers yeah it's
0: easier to hop by just going click, click church hoppers click. are like yeah praise the
1: lord i only need to hop my finger now Yeah. (laughs) Uh, In fact, I can cut him mid-message. If I decide I don't like this pastor 15 minutes in, boom, I'm somewhere else. Their efficiency (laughs) goes way up. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) That's funny. Oh, goodness. Do we have any other feedback from previous episodes Uh, we need to cover?
0: Yes, we do. Uh, So, yes, thank you to our patrons for uh, sending in some feedback uh, and the appreciation for the uh, the resources in the last episode, I hope you are getting use out of those. Um, <clears throat> this one is a kind of a throwback to like two or three episodes ago. I kind of forget when we did this. Um, but some of our listeners are, uh, you know, backlogged a little bit. <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh, uh, this is from one of our patrons, Nathan. He says, sorry, I'm behind on these. The third option for the upraised hand, the swearing-in style posture, seems to me to be used as... More of just a silent amen. I see it more as a testimony, a silent way of testifying that one is moved. Uh, this comes from our episode, yes. the, uh, the amen chop versus oh. the hold and sway. Yes. So I guess there's a third movement we didn't consider. So we have the amen chop, and I'm, I'm doing it here. Right. Nobody can yep, see this I one. I can I'm see it. Here, yeah. <laughs> and uh, the hold and sway, right? Right. There's the hold right. and sway. And he's, he's talking here about the swearing in. So, of like
1: that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. Which and I and I uh I get that. That's the in between. Yeah. Um and I totally agree with him. That's basically us it's like a it's like a simple gesture to say I'm moved by that. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Right, right. You know? Yeah, and I guess okay. it's a
0: good middle of the road cuz the amen chop is kind of excited but non-committal. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I'm willing to show my excitement with an upraised hand but it's quick, right? Whereas the hold and Sway, they're like, I'm all in here, buddy. I'm all in. <laughs> I'm right. holding and I'm swaying. Everybody look. Um, but I guess this swearing in style posture is kind of a, a, an in-between. <laughs> I like
1: that name. The swearing in. Because that's totally, yes. The swearing I
0: see. in, yes. you, you <laughs> to tell the truth the whole truth. Yes.
1: Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
0: okay. So thank you yeah, for thanks, that, Nathan. Nathan. Um, this is, let's see what else we have here. This is from our uh, patron Omar. And uh, this is from our last episode because we were talking about the executive orders and closing churches uh, and yes, okay. how if, if we if we as a church close, we are responding to a threat of a virus. We're not responding to the government necessarily. Um, though we do believe it's important to obey the powers that be uh, unless they're telling us to sin or disobey the Lord. Uh, So this now is from, from Omar here, and he says, Any time a church builds a building, there are a whole host of building codes and regulations that must be followed for the safety of the people who meet there. If those rules are not followed, the government will not let that church meet there. I don't personally know of any pastor, though they're probably out there, who argues that they should be able to build the building however they'd like and the people can just decide for themselves if they feel the building is safe enough to enter or not. Is this kind of governmental authority fundamentally any different from the government telling churches that it is temporarily unsafe to come together in the building because of the threat of the coronavirus? That's a really good question.
1: That is a great analogy, I mean a great parallel there. And I would say that it is similar, really. Um, however, the the whole executive order in this case is a lot closer to home than a building code, because a building code doesn't say you can't meet. It says you can't meet here, um, where the executive orders for COVID-19 are you can't meet, you know, mm-hmm. or, well, at least that's the, you know, recommended you can't meet over 10 people. But, I mean... Um, so, so to me, it is, it is the same in nature. It's just closer to home and thus, uh, thus closer to the whole, um, the, the razor's edge of taking that authority too far. Yeah. Uh, and maybe,
0: well, I don't, I don't know. Cause I mean, again, we're able to live stream as churches and we're able to say whatever we want. Um, we're, we're, we can even use zoom and have private meetings, uh, where we can share prayer requests or have business meetings. So in a sense, though, that's not a physical space. It's a virtual space. The government is saying you cannot meet here. They're only saying you cannot meet physically. So it kind of depends on whether or not you count I live streaming or online meetings to be a form of communication in which you're communicating together. Um, and I'm I'm willing to say that it is a form of communication. Is it is it a form of assembling? No. <laughs> no. Um, and this is this is where uh, surprisingly pastors have been making the news a lot lately. Uh, have you really? been keeping up with this? No, at all. Um, there have been numerous cases of pastors ignoring executive orders. Uh, one in particular in Florida, in which the pastor was arrested for continuing to have worship services. Um, And uh, the president and the vice president have actually made a, a, a public statement encouraging pastors to simply just obey the orders that be, um, and I'm trying to think it was, uh, what's today? Thursday, it was on Wednesday, both president Donald Trump and vice president Mike Pence. I'm reading from the daily wire here, uh, advised pastors to either avoid hosting indoor church services altogether or keeping the capacity strictly at 10 people while maintaining proper social distancing. Um, he says some churches, as you know, have continued to hold services, even though, uh... this is a reporter asking the president even though you have advised people that they need to practice social distancing uh, there was a pastor of a megachurch in Florida over the weekend who held services that were attended by several hundred people. Should pastors be holding services in the middle of this pandemic? And even if they do, should Americans be going to church? So this is something that has made national attention. While mm-hmm. other businesses are are closing and complying with orders for the most part, um, it is churches, because of our inherent freedom of assembly, uh, it mm-hmm. is churches that have been making uh, the news here. And the president responded. Uh, he says, well, my biggest disappointment is that churches can't meet in a time of need. So mm-hmm. he kind of shows his, his heart there that, yeah, he wants churches to be able to meet. Uh, uh-huh. Originally, he was hoping by Easter Sunday churches would be meeting again. Uh, he says this is really a great time for a church to be together, for people to get together on a Sunday or whenever uh, and and meet. And and yet, if you do that, if you if you do it close, then you are really giving this invisible enemy a very big advantage. Uh, so this is making national news. Pastors are getting arrested uh, for this. Not we're not talking massive droves of them, because I think mm-hmm. for the most part, many are, are you know just saying okay, out of good sense and and safety for for our church, we're just going to close uh, here. Um, so I think for that reason, there hasn't been a whole lot, but. Uh, Omar's question kind of makes us think a little bit. If if we viewed building codes the same way we're now viewing these executive orders, um, would we be responding the same way? And I think a lot of the difference is building codes kind of creep into place slowly, and they often don't make national news. <laughs> Um, they're usually municipality based, uh, things. Um, so they, they kind of creep in uh, almost unawares many times, but this is a a national news making thing that churches cannot, uh, meet in many places. So I think that's why we're getting the reaction that we're getting.
1: Well, again, to me, it goes back to, you know, if, if we as a church wanted to meet down by the river, (laughs) you know, or out in the field. Yeah you know, uh, for them to say you can't meet in a building. Okay. But we have the right to meet. Yeah. But for them to say you can't meet anywhere is, is, is a little bit different, but I mean, I, I see, I see the parallel and I, and and again, I'm not, and I'm not saying that it's not wise at this point necessarily to, to at least consider, you know, whether you should be and, you know, that there's other factors and I'm not yeah. saying that churches are being picked on. Um, but, but still, um, it, I think the, whether this is, I don't know if you'd call this a slippery slope or not, to say that the whole argument says that could they one day say, oh, goodness, the flu's breaking out. Nope. we got to stay home another month. Can't go to church. you know. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. you know, High pollen count. People are going to suffer from allergies. You, know, you stay home. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, we say, well, that, uh, no, they're not there. That would be there. pretty not... fantastical. <laughs> <laughs> but we say, well, they're not trying to do that. But what divide, I mean, if it's if it's the authority saying, well, we just, we deem it's not safe for you to be together, therefore you can't be. Well, where's the freedom of conscience in that? Not to mention common yeah. sense, you know, for me to say, well, you know, I'm not feeling well, I don't think I'll go, but saying, look, I'm fine. People at church seem to be fine. If they're fine with me coming, I'm fine with me going. So
0: what happens then yeah. when you
1: have people who don't seem to use common sense
0: and, and your job as the authority is... Is to provide for the safety of a community, but yet you have people who aren't utilizing common sense and thereby threatening the safety of a community, and you've provided the community with actual data that shows there is a legitimate threat. What do you do then when people aren't using yeah,
1: common sense? And that's an excellent question. I, mean, I think that's the that's the balance. That's the tough balancing act of saying that some people, you know, really are a threat. It's when it's when. Uh, Godless in the, in the sense of not godless and maybe they're totally immoral, but I mean people without maybe a a, a God foundation are making decisions related to faith communities. You know what I mean?
0: Well, but, well I was um, referring more to, for instance, there was this one new evangelical church, I think it was called Ark Church or something like that. Mm-hmm. They continued having services. They, they did not practice any social distancing. They just kind of threw caution to the wind with this um and like half the church has died. <laughs> well, I'm that no don't quote me on that. okay A bunch okay. <laughs> a bunch of people there have contracted the coronavirus. I think a, a number of them, a good number of them have died as a result yeah. of it. There's an example of people who didn't use a whole lot of common sense in my opinion. Yeah, well,
1: and in part, what do you do as the of...
0: authority though when you have this intersection of the First Amendment, you know, the freedom of speech, the freedom of assembly. Uh, And and as the authority, here are people now, they're not only making themselves sick, they're now spreading this when they go home and when they go to work uh, and whoever else they come in contact with. Uh, What do you do as the authority?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, I'd say the authority has to do what he thinks is right. And that just kind of makes the argument for um, a you know, being concerned about a moral authority, meaning an authority who actually has a moral compass Mm -hmm. to him and understands the value of religion and of the conscience. And so ultimately that guy is going to have to do what he has to do. And the person under God by their conscience has to do what they feel like they have to do. And then you just have to, I guess, you know, that's, that's the best I can meet the
0: tension. If you were the governor of, let's say, the state of Connecticut, um, because, uh, simply the population difference. So you're dealing with an already virulent, uh, virus in a very populated area. If you were the governor here,
1: mm-hmm.
0: would you have any kind of executive order in place to limit the meeting of churches if it was your decision to make?
1: That's interesting. Not, uh, probably not as quickly or not initially. Um, you know, I think I would try, as we talked about last time, the, Saying the, the urging, you know, if, even if it literally meant having my staff get on the phone and call the pastors of, of communities. Now I know that it seems like it would take a long time, but just to say, I'm calling on behalf of the governor and I just really want to encourage you. you know, he respects, you know, uh, the right of conscience and he understands that this is a difficult time and he doesn't want to, you know, he doesn't want to do anything drastic, but he's really encouraging you to just stay in, try to live stream, you know, maybe Mm -hmm. provide some instructional videos on how to help people during this time, how to, how to connect with your people, but just saying, Mm -hmm. look, you know, ultimately I know your conscience is, is, is valid, but, but for the sake of our communities, could you hold back? I, you know, I think if you made an appeal like that, don't you think that 90, 95% of them would go, Oh, you bet.
0: Not if they think you have an agenda.
1: Well, True true but i mean if they think
0: that I, you're inherently anti-church let's say if you weren't the Daniel if I was Fox inherently that we anti-church know.
1: i'd be making yeah but if i was inherently anti-church i'd be making an executive order <laughs>
0: not necessarily no i think there are anti-church people uh all around the country in uh leadership positions who know that that would really be an overreach in their municipality that they would never get mm-hmm. elected ever again um <laughs> yeah. so i think there's many that are unwilling to make such an executive order and uh let's let's say that that was you and you were in that position and and as an anti-church daniel fox but you weren't willing to make an executive order against churches um what do you do then when you call them ask them to use good sense but because they think you have an agenda against them they disobey you or or -hmm. or they disregard your your urging what do you do then Mm -hmm. because the community is still under this threat It's like what we're talking about here is the intersection between liberty and safety. And I I forget who it was, but someone once said that if you sacrifice liberty for a measure of safety, you'll have neither. Um, Yeah, wow. Now, I I don't think that's an, you know, that's not a blanket generalization. That's not, you know, an either or. Uh, You're not going to lose all liberty if you sacrifice a slight bit for safety because you actually do do that. Uh, you do that every day when you, well, sure. when, when when you buckle your seatbelt in your car. Okay, for instance, you'll get a ticket right, in some
1: places if you're not wearing you your seatbelt. You go up to a stop sign and you actually stop. Yeah, you are sacrificing right, you say, liberty. They're telling me what to do.
0: Right? Yeah, they're telling you what to do, and you are obeying them, right, though you sure. have individual autonomy. You're obeying them for safety. Okay, so there's there's this tension, there's this intersection between liberty and safety uh, in which you have to cave a little bit in some ways. And and I know that's going to sound like
1: heresy to a lot of people. I'm not talking about giving up all of our rights. Um, No, yeah. I I mean, I think that what you're saying there, kind of bringing, drawing that out and thinking about the fact that, look, there are several restrictions to which we submit to the government every day. Yes, and we do that for the order and safety of society. And so if there truly is a safety threat, then can we listen? now, again, you know, I mean, yeah, it's coming down to it. Yeah, it's still, yeah. It, that's interesting. Well, it's the, just... the
0: argument is that with the executive orders now imposing closure of churches, um, mm-hmm. the, the the mayor of New York even going so far as to threaten permanent closure if anyone is caught assembling. Um they're, they're, now that's a massive that's overreach a massive there, overreach obviously, obviously. but yeah, he's but like the most surprising yeah he's the most horrible mayor <laughs> ever um but um the argument is that this is now a bridge too far if the executive order is coming down on the freedom of assembly um and that's the thing would they would they even consider doing any such thing if people were using good sense you know what i mean
1: Right, I do.
0: Because, I, I do. mean, here they've made the executive orders without but, without even giving people an opportunity to use good sense.
1: Right, And even in yes. the face
0: of that, people are still not using good sense.
1: Right. And partly, yeah, right, well, some people never are going to use good sense. Yeah. And some people, if you tell them what to do, then they're not going to do it. You right. know, maybe in that way, like, you can't. Oh, yeah? Well, now I'm going to. Um, and I can understand a part of that, uh, you know what I mean? But, um, but you're right. It doesn't really give chance, people a chance to use sense. And, yeah. And, and the fact, yeah, there's things that I guess make it rub in certain ways is maybe the inconsistency in certain ways. And I know yes. this sounds like a joke, but part of it is that you know, we say, well, we're not being picked on. It's bars, it's casinos, it's churches. But, you know, I have to kind of wonder, you know, how much of the news media really has to be working right now. I mean, if this is a crisis, you know, um, uh, you know, maybe, maybe a couple hours of like some, some targeted news of letting us know what's going on, but I mean, they're out there just pumping the propaganda or whatever, you know, or just pumping all this information with their total spin on it. Um, well, well why can they go to work and why can they get together and spread their stuff? But we can't get together more yeah. than 10 people and do our things. So well, anyway, I think, just, I uh, think
0: largely they are working remotely, um, Depending on where they live. Oh, I see. Yeah,
1: some of them are. not you're right. You're right. Their work uh, can the largely media. be
0: done done remotely. What I think is a bigger inconsistency is the fact that Planned Parenthood uh, sites are considered essential. Absolutely. And and yet churches are considered non-essential. So churches have to close. Right. right. And the other thing right. that I think is uh, also an inconsistency is that in some more liberal areas of the country, Philadelphia, in fact, is is one. They're they're actually letting people go letting criminals go um yeah. the police officers That's are something. being instructed if you see somebody committing a, a quote-unquote low-level crime just kind of let it go um and, and and there are some democratic leaders that are suggesting letting people
1: out of prisons right right because we i mean goodness we wouldn't want them to get sick would we you know <laughs> right but it's like
0: <laughs> but and then you find that pastors might
1: seem like a punishment yeah
0: you find pastors then getting arrested yeah, <laughs> while criminals so, run free, pastors yeah, get arrested. Low, low-level and criminals should stays go free, open. but now this pastors this seems kind of like meet. an inconsistent thing to me. Um, yeah. but again, yeah. I think that just comes down to the the differences of, of governance that you see in different parts of the country.
1: Okay, this just struck me uh, that this beautifully leads into a question that I had for today. Okay. okay. All
0: right. <laughs> Which so you're good. We should we should move on anyway. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: um. So people are making decisions that are hotly contested, you know, or that are hotly uh, debated or whatever, and saying, "I don't think you should be doing that." Well, I think I should be doing that. What do you do when people misunderstand you? Mm. I remember growing up, my mom used the phrase sometime, and I and I. And I think there may be there's a place for this, she would say, nail your reputation to the cross. Mm. That there's there's times when you don't have to go out there and fight, you know, fight against every misunderstanding or misperception of yourself. You right. just be the person you're supposed to be. But on the other hand, there are times when I think you are supposed to raise up on your hind feet and say, That is not right. I am not that. And if you call me that in public, you know, I'm going to fight against that because you are smearing my name. So it makes you ask, well, what's the difference? What What do you do when people misunderstand you, and how do you make that distinction?
0: Hmm. I don't know that there's a one-pat answer for that. Um, mm-hmm. Because I, like, I mean, I, I, all I can do here is repeat what you said, because I think you kind of, you kind of almost gave an answer in it. In your question is that yeah, there mm-hmm. are some things that you just can't let stand when you're misunderstood. But honestly, not everything has to be corrected. In fact, there could almost be an element of pride in always having to correct the way people perceive
1: you. That's true. I I could see that. And and yet it seems like every time somebody believes something incorrectly about you, it, it, it does essentially go to who you are. I mean, it goes to your name, your reputation. So, I mean, some things are minor. Some things are major. Are mm-hmm. uh, you just saying that that line for each person is kind of individual as to where where they're going to step into action? Um, maybe not so much the
0: line uh, as, as much as the, the person's present reputation, the person's present character. Um, hmm. You know, s- some some people are in a position where they're a little more free to be misunderstood than others. (laughs) (laughs) Explain. Um, Well, I mean, for instance, uh, I don't want to just particularly put it on to pastors, because I think there are are many others included in this as well. But... um, pastors are are already very easily misunderstood (laughs) at times Um, by the very nature of what they're saying by the very nature of what they're saying yes and that was kind of one of our concerns when we first started this podcast was it makes us vulnerable because this is not a conversation with other people it's a conversation between you and me and other people can email us about it but some people don't some people just misunderstand what we say and just leave it at that. <laughs> Instead of writing an email and saying, Hey, when you said this, did you mean this? And and that gives us an opportunity to, to correct ourselves. But you know, I mean right. for others for some folks, they're maybe not in such a position where their reputation matters for their vocation quite as much. Whereas if you ever study the qualifications of the pastor, um there's there's mm. a, a high qualification there that can That's be true. easily marred. Um, same thing for I don't know. I don't know if if politicians like the president would fall into this, um, you know, where he's already very easily misunderstood. So he has to have an entire enclave of people whose sole purpose is to make sure that everything he says comes out the right way. And man, (laughs) they have been working hard on this president um, (laughs) for a while. Um, But I I guess it has to do a lot maybe with your current reputation or vocation, uh, whether or not you react to when you're misunderstood.
1: Hmm. Because, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Cause I mean, I could see, and I, and I'm not saying a CEO is any, you know, isn't important or whatever, but I mean, in, in some senses, you know, a guy may be in a high power position and, uh, and somebody accuses him of something and he can go, no, I didn't. And just walk on. Yeah. And ultimately he can still fulfill his job. People may not like him, yeah but he could still fulfill his job or for a pastor, you know, if somebody accuses you. Particularly, I think the worst case scenario would be like of immorality or of or of something to, related to that. Mm-hmm. You say, if you do that, you're disqualified. And you know, and and even in the sight of a lot of people who are scripturally knowing, uh, they say you can't keep doing what you're doing. Mm-hmm. You know, if that's true, you know, so you have to, you know, come. You can't just keep going on and go. Well, I'm I'm just not. I'm just going to turn the other cheek and keep preaching. Mm, yeah no you no uh yeah Yeah. probably some more needs to be done there because
0: i mean there are some vocations where you know the guy can still do his job right he can still do his job well you know whether it's Mm -hmm. a a manual job or or something else and he can still get that done and may not have the greatest repute uh ever um and i think people are 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 somewhat they give a guy like that a lot of leeway. Uh, I, I don't know that I particularly would as an, if I was an employer um, yeah. as much. But, right. I mean, for the most part, the guy can get his job done. And, and if he does, that's what he's hired for. Let him do it. Um, whereas the, the pastoral office, your character, is pretty much part of the job. <laughs> yes. It's, it's right. tied. It's your, it's your platform. Yeah, it's, it's tied to the vocation itself. Um, and I think there are other vocations like that too.
1: But you feel like there are some times when, you know, and I, I, I want to even speak kind of outside of the pastoral role, just on a personal level, there are some times when people may accuse you or misunderstand you, misrepresent you, and sometimes you'll just ignore it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Okay. I think there are times okay. where it's, it's, uh, it's necessary to pass over it, um, and I don't know if maybe um, like a volatile argument <laughs> that could be brewing uh, might <laughs> might be an opportunity to pass over something. <clears throat> you know, uh, do I need to insist with this particular person that right, that I'm right, right in this area? Do I really need to push this right now? Sometimes it's best right. to just leave it alone.
1: Yes. Okay. The, and, a, and from the flip side of it, it seems like there would be a number of scriptures that would talk about how not to misunderstand people, you know, or judge righteous judgments or, mm-hmm. you know, hear the whole matter, you know, think no evil, mm-hmm. things like that. But from the flip side of it, where you're being misunderstood, can you think of scripture passages that, that deal with our reactions or our responses? off the cuff
0: uh, i'm kind of slow at that right now um nothing's come to mind i'm sure there are verses that deal with that i i, I do know in particular an example of someone who was so badly misunderstood <laughs> that he was reviled yes. and rejected um yes and that his own wouldn't even receive him uh <clears throat> and and that was of course jesus but I, I suppose maybe that, that doesn't necessarily fit because part of part of his uh the fulfillment of, of his will coming here was to
1: to be crucified. Um Right. But it but it is I think it well, I think that it is noteworthy though that he, as a lamb to the slaughter he opened not his mouth. Yes. And in, in the whole trial process and with Pilate he said very little when he could have he could have justified himself and said, you bunch of chief priests, you bunch of hypocrites, you're not even running this trial right. Everybody knows this isn't legal and blah, 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 you know, or, you know, he could have spoken, you know, some sage advice to Pilate yeah. and said, look, no, you and I both know they don't have any charges against me. Right. Why don't you just let me go? You know what I mean? Yeah. But he didn't, he didn't do any of that hardly. And, and, um, so, so that is, uh. That is significant.
0: You have was to wonder, thought, too, right? um, especially before the high priest, uh, not necessarily before Pilate. You know, he could have defended himself, but and this is sure. totally speculative.
1: I don't think it would have helped. No, and I agree. I agree. It wouldn't have helped, and maybe that's part of the reason he didn't, because they're setting their sin, and it just makes it worse in a sense. But it, this is a little off topic, but it's, it's similar to what we're talking about. I thought it interesting but, well, the pastor
0: was— That's kind of the answer, though, maybe what is jesus knew w- would it wouldn't it make a, it a wouldn't difference. make a difference hmm. and, and maybe that's the answer that we're looking for here you know when do you defend yourself well when it helps <laughs> 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 now honestly
1: pragmatic there No, <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um,
0: i mean we obviously lack the uh the 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 foreknowledge and the omniscience of of jesus knowing whether or not it'll help but I think there are certain cases. Situation. Yeah. I think there are certain cases where you know this person, if if I defend myself here, it's just not gonna help them. I'll I'll be casting pearls before swine as it were. Um uh-huh. there's no sense in me even bothering. So let them think I'm a terrible person. Let them think I'm wrong. It doesn't matter.
1: Um Because right. it's not gonna help. They're set in their desire to misunderstand. Yes. That's interesting. I was gonna say it's it uh it's a, maybe not quite on topic here, but it was interesting as a pastor was preaching the other night and uh, about uh, Jesus' resurrection and uh, in the book of John, chapter 20, and his uh, appearance to Mary Magdalene, that as I thought through his appearances post-resurrection, um, it seems that he largely appeared to his followers. Mm-hmm. And I thought, and I was thinking to myself, you know, he could have, Uh, You know, Pastor said, Pastor said, I would have loved to seen him, you know, just appear to Pilate, you know, and say, I'm back, you know, whatever, you know, or, or appear to Caiaphas, the chief priest. I mean, wouldn't that be uh, something to behold, but, but did Caiaphas ever see him in those 40 days? It's unlikely. Um, You know what I mean? I don't know. Weren't there a great Um, number
0: of priests though that did? Uh, receive Christ post-resurrection?
1: They did receive. Now, whether they saw, I mean, it says that, that many people did see. I mean, there's hundreds of people who did see. But I mean, you just think, wow, th- this, this, you know, Jesus has risen from the dead. Wouldn't you kind of, I mean, from a human perspective, we would think, wouldn't you just like take a tour of like of, of manifestation? Well, you wouldn't you just go around Israel and say, look, I'm alive. I'm alive. They tried to kill me. I'm alive. But instead, it's it's largely, you know, it's to a certain select group of people because that's the people that mattered, that the people that actually they needed that information to say, this is all real. Yeah. This is all legit. Where the other guys, they were set against them in the first place.
0: It reminds me of that story of uh, that Jesus gave. I think it's Luke. 16 of the the rich man and Lazarus. Do, do you remember the rich man yes. said to Lazarus there speaking across the Gulf that was fixed between them? Uh, he said, send Abraham to speak to my five brothers. Or send Lazarus. Or, I yeah, think. Sen, yeah. Send yeah, Lazarus just... to speak to my five brothers. Um, yeah. but I'm sorry. <laughs> what did I say? Abraham? Um, yeah. And uh, And Abraham said, they have Moses and the prophets. If they will not hear them neither will they hear if one came back from the dead right and you have to wonder if when jesus told that story which i think he told it to some of his skeptics to to some of the Mm -hmm. if i remember right it wasn't his followers Mm -hmm. necessarily he was directing that story to um i wonder if he had in mind those who were in the process of rejecting him at that very moment wow I think so. I think you're probably right. Yeah, because he would later say, when they said, well, why don't you give us more signs? Um, Yeah, it wouldn't help. He says, no, you're not going to get any more except for when the Son of Man uh, raises again. I'm, I'm, of course, paraphrasing
1: there. I think I have looked for uh, this video after I saw it years ago, and I haven't been able to find it. But uh, Dennis Prager, who is a Jewish man as far as I know, I don't know. I don't believe he's saved. I don't, I, I couldn't say that with authority, but, um, but anyway, uh, but he actually did a video one time. What would Jesus have to do or what would God have to do to prove to you that he exists or to, to something like that, mm. you know? And I, it was almost like, I don't remember if he was kind of going at the same thing. Like if he did this, you wouldn't believe that because you'd think it was this yeah. or whatever, whatever. And it was interesting because he was making it seems like a similar argument, even from, right. <laughs> from an, uh, an unsaved Jewish perspective. But, um, yeah. Well, thank you. Um, that, uh, hmm. so, Which, so as people go through this, so as people go through this and I hate to bring it up again, kind of, but okay. So they're going through the whole health scare And some people make decisions that other people don't agree with, and they're going to be misunderstood because of that. Oh, you're foolish. You're being reckless and careless. You don't care about people. uh, You're just, you know, anti-authoritarian or whatever. And that may not be the case. Yeah, Um, It depends on the individual
0: circumstances. Okay. Yeah.
1: Okay. All right. Well... I think, I I know we've run into some technical difficulties today, and uh, so it's hard to know exactly where we're at with that. Yeah, I know. Our (laughs) listeners
0: will have probably no idea of these technical difficulties, but we've lost connectivity, what, four or five times now? Yeah. And uh, we'll, we'll splice it all together in some meaningful way here. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Now, those of you who don't know, Tom and I don't actually, we're not in the same room as we podcast. So when we say we've lost connectivity, it doesn't mean like we, you know, we've gotten in an argument five times and we've decided not to be friends. And then we, we were reconciled and said, okay, we'll be friends again. Let's continue the podcast. Yeah. We're uh, social we distancing actually... by about a thousand miles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, we we were practicing social distancing way before. Right. Uh, it was really the end thing to do. Yeah. Um, we're trendsetters. So anyway... <laughs> That's right. That's the way we like to look at it. And uh, so thank you for, for listening to the conversation. It's been maybe a little bit of a unique one, I feel like. Last week was unique yeah. for the substance of it. This time, it seems unique maybe just in how how diced up it has been for us kind of reentering the conversation. Yeah. But uh anyway, if you have any thoughts for discussion now that you're sitting at home more and you're just doing a lot of thinking and you're saying, Oh, ooh, there's some there's some deep thoughts that we haven't uh thought in a long time. Let's throw that out to to Thomas and Daniel. Uh hey, throw them our way. And you know, it can be something really practical, something mm-hmm. that sometimes even seems trivial and we just say yeah. How does that bear on our decision? So send it our way, reason yeah. together podcast at gmail dot com. Yes, there are no dumb questions
0: unless we read your email and laugh. Um, if, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's only dumb if we decided it No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, we we won't mock you. We we promise.
1: Um, <laughs> right. No, I mean it. I, I was being serious yeah, there.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I was maybe hedging a little bit.
1: <laughs> I wasn't like, I was like, right. Yeah. yeah. Now, honestly, I do think there are dumb questions, but I yes. mean, uh, we do appreciate your questions and we will not mock you. I, I. No, then i think <laughs> well tom might
0: <laughs> yeah, just pin it on me yeah I'll, I'll take it pin it on me anyway send those to reason together podcast at gmail.com thank you again for joining us on this episode uh be sure to stay safe stay healthy we will see you on the next one we are encouraging balance developing perspective and connecting faith to practice this is reason together